in an election that will determine the fate of the entire universe. There's only one podcast holding politicians accountable. Scott Morrison, Anthony Albanese. Who will lose? Find out on The Chaser Report, Election Edition. Hello and welcome to the election edition of the Chaser Report. It is Monday the 9th of May. How many days to go until the election, Lachlan Hudson? I believe we've got 12 days of hell ahead of us, Dommy. Oh, God. All right. Uh, I'm Dom Knight. Now, Charles, I want to start by talking about the debate. No, My actually, I want to start talking that... about the debate because... No, no. The thing about the debate no, no, is no, it was no. full of no. questions and substance. You hear, the hear problem out, was Dom, there were some issues with talk over. Australia have a right to hear What they kept doing was talking over is, each other. Going, what did you do about I, that? I, I, what did you do about that? Many years, Charles, have been I think that this Charles, is Dom, a disgrace guys, that you would just you talk over about me this like when that. You, had a you guys, when, sorry, God, you agreed that you'd come on, and there were there were certain agreements. We, what, what are you doing? Shut up, Lachlan. Now, <laughs> so rude. The whole thing is, is that it's a low blow. Has just it's been a low blow. He's just a ridiculous uh, person you? who you just doesn't even deserve to be heard. Well, if we're talking about records, what about your record? What's going, what's going on here? This is not at all as formal as the podcast we're just, is usually. We're just uh, having a serious is political discussion, This is what the way debates to are like to now, Lachlan. Don't you understand, Lachlan? This is what you do to think, reach the public. I think the audience has got the idea. <laughs> Coming up on the rest of the show, we're going to have a look at what happened over the weekend, excluding the debate. <laughs> we're also going to talk to Lachlan because he caught up with Clive Palmer. I did, yeah. We, I I just wanted to, to meet him and get a l- few messages across, but I don't think he wanted to hear me out. Yeah, for some Really reason. nice to see yeah. some um, ridiculous props and big suits coming back into the chaser. Mm. Uh, Lachlan, well done on that. And we'll chat to Alice Workman, who's always one of the funniest people when it comes to writing about Australian politics. But first of all... No, no, we're not having no, a daily rap. All, I'm tired of your daily rap. We've done the daily rap every episode so that far. I put together. We can't do it. It's a terrible idea. All right, let's do it. This is the wrap for Monday the 9th of May. And the only thing anyone's talking about today is yesterday's leaders' debate. Unfortunately, I fell asleep during it, so we'll have to go off the commentary of what others are saying about it. Catherine Murphy in The Guardian said it was a terrible debate, a shit blizzard. Debates on anything in do the you, Parliament, do let you alone have debates legislation on opposition legislation. Do you as have you, draft as legislation you, as for you know, commission? As you know. The Herald was more measured, describing it as shouty and messy. No, you draft don't. legislation. You draft legislation any day you want. Straight up political brawl with no clear winner. They've been hiding in the bushes. Uh, Small target. Okay, we, might, we, we, might. we will have it this year. Criticised both leaders for not focusing nearly enough on Sydney's property prices. Whether an independent integrity commission... And the Daily Mail also covered the debate, saying the clear winner was Prince Harry, who was spotted topless at a polo match in California over the weekend. Meanwhile, Labor has pulled ahead in the polls, increasing its lead over the coalition in both the Ipsos and News polls out today. Both polls were consistently wrong in the last two elections, but hey, third time's a charm. Meanwhile, Bono and the Edge have played for troops in the war-torn capital of Kyiv. The highly dangerous concert was held in a metro station and lasted just 40 minutes. Unfortunately, everyone survived. 
That's the wrap for Monday the 9th of May. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. The Chaser Report Election Edition Now it's time to catch up on everything that happened over the weekend And uh, this is of course an election podcast But I thought uh, that we should probably have a look at uh, other elections around the world That are a lot more interesting than the current Australian election, and in particular, the Philippine election. Oh, thank goodness. This is much better than our election. Yes, yes, uh, because uh, th- that's actually happening today. They're going to the polls our time Monday. And yesterday, Bong Bong Marcos, who's, who's the front runner, held a rock concert in the rain, and people, like hundreds of thousands of people turned up to this rock concert. They danced and sang for eight hours before Bong Bong Marcos came out on stage to rapturous applause. Yeah, it's just nothing like Australian mm. <laughs> politics Hang on a sec, Charles. Uh, I mean, firstly, yeah. the fact that people are excited to see a political yeah. leader, that's fairly extraordinary. Mm. Marcos. Marcos, The yes. name rings a, rings a yes. bell. What? Might there have been a Marcos in the past history yes. of the Philippines, Charles? So Bong Bong Marcos is, in fact, the son of Ferdinand Marcos. Now, you might remember him. He was in power for 20 years. Uh, under his government, uh, 34,000 people were tortured. 3,000 were assassinated uh, as political enemies, basically. Um, they ended up stealing, uh, at the end of their reign in 1986, they ended up stealing $14 billion dollars. Of Much of Filipino it in shoes, treasury. if I recall. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. Imelda Marcos was the uh, was the wife who had a penchant for shoes, shall we say? But actually, the Marcoses there's real echoes to Australian politics because they're facing a national crisis. Guess where the Marcoses fled to? Oh, was it Hawaii? Hawaii. Please yes. tell me it was. Oh so they, my goodness! They've really? Been, they've been camped there, including Bong Bong, has been camped out there for like the last twenty years. And just recently, they've returned from Hawaii to sort of come and handshake with, with everyone um, in, in, uh, in the Philippines. Marcos is just this son of a dictator. He's 64 years old, but he's still seen as this sort of young playboy, young playboy style right. character. Yeah. Although he actually did go to Oxford University. He went to Oxford University. He sort of claims to be this urbane, sophisticated choice, mm. much more he's, urbane. He tortures you in Latin rather than in, in, in Tagalog like his dad used to do. Yes, exactly. Um, although uh, no one has been able to find his transcript from Oxford. Like it, it, it appears that he didn't actually 
ever graduate from Oxford University. Well, Charles, I went to Oxford yeah. for a weekend <laughs> yeah, that's right. once. Exactly. It was great. I enjoyed it. But I want to play you a clip from a senator who is also running in the election. And this is her character assessment of what Bong Bong Marcos was like before he started running for president. Remember Mr. Marcos as candidate today, before? It never worked. All they did was go to the disco. And they were always high on drugs. Yeah, so that's, that, that's Bong Bong Marcos for you. He was always high on drugs and at the disco. Oh, it's very relatable. Yeah. I know. It, I mean, imagine if we had a candidate like that in the Australian elections. The other thing is, I mean, I, I, I'm a big fan of Philippine politics. Mm. Um, it's, it's really fascinating. And one of the interesting things about it is that every politician has a nickname. So his name's not actually Bong Bong. Oh, isn't it? That's his nickname. You know what his you know what his real name is? What's his real name? Ferdinand Marcos Jr. Oh nice. He's got the same yes. name yes. as the guy that stole billions of dollars, tortured everyone, <laughs> declared martial law, yeah. shut down democracy. Basically, the <laughs> There's a guy, the, the former leader of the Philippines came back, Corey Aquino's husband, mm. like this great opposition leader, came back to, to Manila mm. and was killed at the airport. Um, <laughs> this is Ninoy Aquino. Yeah. It, it was a monstrous regime. How on earth mm. are they going to elect Marcos's son? <laughs> oh, he, he goes to the disco and, and, and he's fun. So anyway, so, so that's, that's what happened overseas in election coverage. We should probably uh, sort of talk a little bit about... What happened here on the weekend? During the debate, Morrison actually claimed that there was no corruption in the Liberal Party. Crow, you have the next question. Mr Morrison, have you seen any corruption on your side of politics in your time? And if so, what did you do about it? No, I haven't. Never? No wrongdoing? No. Never happened in the Liberal Party at all? (laughs) That must be why he doesn't want the um, the federal ICAC mm. because there's no need. There's no there's need. Never been there's no corruption need. on his side of politics. But it's one of those. It's one of those wonderful things of hear no evil, see no evil. <laughs> like all you've got to do is just cover your ears and shut your eyes, uh, because there was a follow up question. This was from David Crow of the Sydney Morning Herald. This is his follow up question. What about that time where there was money from? Uh, property developers in New South Wales that was routed down to the Free Enterprise Foundation and then back through federal offices back to New South Wales. Mm. New South Wales ICAC didn't like the look of that. Wouldn't you call that wrongdoing? You're assuming that I have some knowledge or involvement or, or awareness or, or involvement in any of those issues, which I, which I clearly do not. That was in 2016. Is in the New South Wales Liberal Party in 2016. I think he has an awareness no, that that happened. No, he was busy... Being the federal treasurer at the time, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. But Charles, this is good. This is actually a good thing. Yeah, right. For okay. the for the establishment of a federal ICAC, because the way the New South Wales ICAC happened, mm. it was set up by the Liberals mm. to try and catch out Labor, because mm. they thought, look, Labor's really corrupt. It'll never catch us. So yes. Nick Griner set up this ICAC to basically ensure they couldn't get power for ten years. Yes. And expose all the skeletons in their closet. The only problem was, it ended his career yes. instead. Or probably as well. So maybe if, if Morrison thinks there's no corruption, he'll set it up he'll after He'll set all. it up. He will set it up. Talking of corruption, though, the voting machine that Channel 9 ran on their website. Did you, did you see the videos of that over the weekend, Dom? I didn't see the videos, but I saw the reports. And mm. uh, even the Herald's own Latika Burke was pretty keen to use the word unscientific about their polling. <laughs> so, so they offered three options. So the question was, who won the debate? And there were three options. You could vote 
coalition, labour, or coalition. Right? <laughs> I thought the third options. option was going to be just stab me in the eye because that was my reaction to watching the debate. And um, and then the only problem was that if you tried to click labour, it wouldn't respond. It was actually right. somebody a coder actually decoded the website and worked out that it had actually been written in that it would have a null response if you um if you voted Labor. So you could only Trump click was right on Trump was right. There was election fraud. <laughs> was At last election we fraud. found genuine election fraud. Yes, that's right. But somehow and this is the thing where I go, is something going on dodgy with Labor, which is that they still somehow ended up with fifty percent of the vote. Wow. That is fraud. Is that- is that how Newspoll got bigger for them? I, I, I was surprised. What is it? like? Newspoll is now something like 54-46 or something. I think. Yeah, so it's an eight-point margin mm. on Newspoll. Surely they've hacked that as well. Yeah, yeah. Because no. if, if Newspoll's right, there'll barely be a Liberal Party after the election. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. um, and then finally, this is the last thing in the weekend wrap, is that a Liberal Democrat running in the seat of Brisbane uh, his name's Anthony Bull, and he deeply regrets his white supremacist Facebook posts uh, from oh. three, a few years ago. He um, he wrote that uh, victory over the enemy, which was Indigenous Australians, should be celebrated. And uh, he also told a, a fellow Facebook friend that uh, to look up the terms 14 words and the 88 precept, which is a code for... Um, we must secure the existence of our people and a future for our white children. The 88 precepts is, is of course, a, a code word for um, Heil Hitler. Charles, I, I'm really sick of this gotcha journalism. Yeah. I, <laughs> Point no, is, though, I, no, and also, in fairness to Anthony Bull, he has said, you know, this, these were statements that I made in my early 20s. They were immature and they were wrong. And guess when he made them? Oh, no. <laughs> he made them... In 2017, five years ago. So he's irresponsible if he was in his early 20s now, he's now in his mid-20s. <laughs> now, Charles, I've got to say, the distant I, can't past. Be, I can't agree with you on this. Okay, I'm tired of this gotcha journalism. Yeah. Where just because someone says a whole bunch of pro-Hitler yes. things on Facebook, that's just somehow brought up yes. as though he's got to take responsibility for it. Why can't we have free speech mm. and express our admiration of Hitler yeah. without anyone asking us about it when we run for office? <laughs> oh, it's just cancel culture gone mad, isn't it? It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze... Relax and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow wherever you are. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Election news you can't trust. The Chaser Report. Now, Charles, can I confess something to you? Mm. Uh, when I do those mini raps of amusing things that have happened on the campaign trail, I usually steal them from Alice Workman's Twitter. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, I don't really do my own research. Because you're incredibly lazy, usually. And yet yeah. you turn up with these all these interesting clips. And yeah, look at obscure little press conferences that no one's noticed. It's because yeah. Alice... Knows everything that's going on in Australian politics. She covers federal politics for the Australian. So I had to do even less research. Why not just get her on 
to tell us the best <laughs> things that have been happening on the trail. Hi, Alice. Thank you. Thank you. I call it the um, burden of knowledge, uh, having to, <laughs> like I'm a researcher for the weekly, having to watch hours and hours of press conferences and mm. press club speeches and doorstops and walking through shopping centres. Yeah. Oh, yes, yes. Has it only been four weeks? Gosh, it, feel, it feels like two years. Do you have to watch the debate for work then, Alice? Because I sat through, I don't know, about a quarter of it. And the number of times when the two men were literally just shouting over each other while no moderator could get a word in edgeways was quite extraordinary. It was actually quite like question time. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? I um, I personally, one, think they should bring back the worm. I just want to put that out there very quickly at yes. the front. I think I think quite Australians agree with me. Mm. If we did a news poll on the worm, the worm would win. Yes. Um, it, it was a very unusual format because they used to set up like question time where they heckle each other, but they're off microphone. So it doesn't distract from proceedings or from people watching as much. Um, and they have a very stern moderator in the speaker, whereas this format was unusual because not only were they only given 60 seconds from the questions they were asked from the panel, which is just enough for a stump speech. You're not getting much further than the surface from 60 seconds. Mm. Um, then for some reason they had an ad break, which kudos to Labor where I live, a Labor ad ran. <laughs> and then we came back and they were allowed to ask questions of each other and then it just descended into them shouting over the top of each other and then they started ignoring the moderator and I just found it extremely unwatchable. And that's as someone that watches a lot of politics and so therefore has a very, you know, a very high threshold of what I'll put up with. <laughs> I don't understand why a normal person would be at 10 o'clock on mm. Sunday, let alone Mother's Day, and I left my hotly contested family game of Trivial Pursuit to watch this debate. Mm. I don't think they would be impressed by it, so, and, why, I, and I don't know whether it would sway anyone's votes. What was that going through their brains thinking that this would look appealing? Like, do you think that they both just got swept up in the moment and thought they were back in Parliament House or something? Like, what I can't understand is why, you know, one of them didn't just pull back and go, mm, look, this, look guy, better. The, this other guy's being a cock, I'm just a normal person here, vote for me. Yeah, I think it's definitely possible they got swept up in the debate. And I think, you know, when you're talking about illuminating moments of any election campaign, election campaigns are incredibly media managed, more so than they ever used to be. Mm. You know, politicians, they control who you get access to, what questions they will or won't answer, um, very limited interactions with the public. Uh, this debate format was very controlled until it wasn't. And then that's when things just went completely in the other direction, off the hook. And the Labor Party for a very long time, for at least the last year and a half, maybe even two years, have really focused a lot of their messaging on uh, Scott Morrison being a bully, people accusing him of being a liar, people not liking him, him being uh, incredibly uh, not answering questions and being dissuasive and the, they've always tried to push this negative image of him. So what surprised me more was that Anthony Albanese engaged him mm. so much and didn't take that step back in order to provide the point of difference. Mm. Having yes. two men shout at each other doesn't make either of them look very appealing or like someone you'd want to run a country. And just uh, staying on the debate for, for one more question, which is, is it true 
Did somebody asked him about asked Scott Morrison about being a psychopath? Or was that just a, a meme that went around? Because <laughs> I saw this clip of Scott Morrison smirking, and the question that I just could not believe was actually true. From it was about him being accused of being a psychopath. <laughs> he was he was asked about the, the text messages. So obviously there's been a lot of text messages uh, mm, yes. sent by some helpful people <laughs> such as Gladys Berejiklian and, you know, his very good friend Barnaby Joyce mm. uh, accusing him of all sorts of things and um, not to mention uh, the newly re-elected French President Emmanuel Macron saying uh, he didn't think he knew that Scott lied to him about the submarine deal. Um, he was asked point blank um, about those texts and mm. and those issues and it was put point blank to him that people don't really like you um and then it was also raised about the i mean people flippantly call it the issue with women i also call it the problem with men um mm. which is more to do with the Brittany higgins uh rape allegations that came up in in the last year in parliament and his tendency to uh shall I say, outsource empathy to his wife. Yes. Those things were, were flagged with him, and I think that he really stumbled in answering them. Mm. It has felt that we normally, in the chaser, you know, hang stunts or jokes, whatever it is, off, off those moments where things go out of control, the, the things everyone's talking about, the fun moments, the ups and downs of the campaign trail. And it feels like there have been fewer than usual. It feels as though they've somehow gotten a lot of the mistakes out of the piece, which is why everyone's been jumping on fairly minor gaffes of uh, slips of memory by by Albo, for instance. What are some of the things that you've actually enjoyed? And I know they've been few and far between, but were there any moments of delight for you when something ridiculous happened during the past few weeks? Because I, I feel like we've had a smaller diet of these than usual. Absolutely. And it's unscripted moments. They're the moments that I look out for and tend to enjoy more than anything. And that does include, you know, when Anthony Albanese stuck his tongue out when he didn't know what the unemployment rate was. Whenever you see them uncomfortable or go off book, I think is what I look for because everything is so scripted and, and polished and and tried and controlled. Everyone's trying to control every message, every narrative, every announcement, mm. every front page, every soundbite, that when, you know, Scott Morrison walks into a pub, that's a, okay, this is a good one. When Scott Morrison went to Newcastle before the election had actually been called, um, I don't know if you remember, but he had an interesting encounter with a pensioner mm. called Ray. Uh, now, what I enjoyed about that whole exchange was, A, the Prime Minister's office didn't tell the pub that they were going, so oh. they didn't send anyone to advance or to organise. To clear out the, the shouty pensioners. Right. Well, I mean, what you would normally do if you're going somewhere like that, you'd at least have one table of people or one person that you could put in front of the camera with you that would give you a bit of praise or mm. would help you bring up a topic such as childcare or aged care or something that you wanted to talk about. They plant ordinary people, you're saying. That's extraordinary. Oh, did you not know this? Okay, no. so there are, there are people within um, each campaign who are called advances who tend to be underpaid, overworked junior staffers who were sent ahead of the campaign a day or two ahead to go to the places in public or factories, for example, where um, uh, the politician will appear the next day. You do a walk around and look for any signs. There was a great sign uh, at a factory that um, Scott Morrison went mm. to that said, uh, if you mess up, fess up, that they forgot to cover up, which I thought was quite funny. And, you know, for example, if you go into a factory in the seat of Gilmore, which is a marginal seat that, 
uh, former New South Wales Transport Minister Andrew Constance is trying to win back from Labor Party for the Liberals, maybe you check if the factory were going to outsource a third of their workforce before you announce a job oh. package. Oh. Wow. Well, they probably outsourced the the um the advances and they're not doing a very good job. So that, that that's what happened during the first campaign week. But um, but when they went to this pub in Newcastle, uh, no one was sent ahead. So no one normally what you would do if you were going to a cafe. Uh, you would have a table full of sympathetic people there, not necessarily Labor members or Labor, like, affiliated people, but people that you were knew were sympathetic from the local community, someone maybe who was a teacher or ran a childcare centre or a, a small business owners especially love to get on camera and talk about their issues. You find someone who would you, you could sort of guarantee wouldn't attack your person, your politician, mm. and you'd have them organised ready to go. You wouldn't tell them what to say. You just say, hi, you know, Scott Morrison or Anthony Albanese is going to come over. We'll buy you a coffee. We'll buy you lunch. It'll be fine, right? So when they went to this Newcastle pub, uh, they, A, didn't uh, advance. So they didn't go there and tell the pub they were coming and they didn't set up a uh, safety line of people for the Prime Minister to talk to. He was confronted by a quite justifiably angry pensioner um, who uh, had a lot of problems with Scott Morrison. Um the Prime Minister handled it well to a certain extent, but it's only you'll never come off looking good in a situation like that mm. where someone uses your lines like have a go to get a go back at you, which is what the pensioner did. Yes, uh, yes. And, um, and then obviously they tried to kind of shuffle him away and push him to the side and, and get around. And then, I mean, the other strange, the other two strange things about that Newcastle visit was we sent our reporter to the pub the next day and the manager told um, our reporter that Scott Morrison went behind the bar and poured a bunch of beers that he or his team did not pay for. Oh, <laughs> no. I'm surprised that's not a big campaign issue. <laughs> Cost of living. Yeah, exactly. And um, and then there were the, the locals were not impressed by his schooner pouring skills. He can't hold a beer tap. Well, I mean, literally can't pass the pub test, right? <laughs> So you work for news. I mean, news poll last time was was misleading. It's usually very accurate. How is everyone feeling? Like, can we trust it? I guess you have to say we. Can you say that we should trust it, or is it just are you going to hedge your bets? What do you reckon? I mean, like all I'll say is news poll at the moment is indicating that the Labor Party will win, but there's two weeks to go, so there's there's still a possibility of a hung parliament or another miracle from the Messiah from the Shire. <laughs> oh, God help us. Well, Alice, I don't know how you survive doing the job that you do in a campaign like this, but thank you for uh, keeping us up to speed. You can read Alice Workman's writing in The Australian. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. 
Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Rigging elections since before it was cool. The Chaser Report. So over the weekend, uh, one of our interns, Lachlan, caught up with Clive Palmer. I did. I did indeed. I've actually been following the UAP for for quite some time now. Uh, I've been undercover behind their ranks for the last month. But I've actually been following the UAP back when they were the Palmer United Party. So, oh, wow. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I noticed you've got lots of yellow T-shirts lying around the office. I do indeed. Yeah. I've certainly been uh, utilising as much of the free merchandise that they give out as I can. Is that why they love freedom? <laughs> Freedom to take whatever shirts you want, absolutely. But you guys remember how sort of towards the end of last year, Clive Palmer started sending those texts to everyone? Oh, Oh, yes, that was so annoying. So annoying, right? So clearly annoying. Everyone hated it. So I thought, come on, I can't be the only person who was annoyed by this. I want to see if Clive Palmer would be as annoyed by these methods as we were. So I dressed myself up as a giant phone and I went straight to a meet and greet that Mr. Palmer was having in Warringah on Saturday. This is how it went. You certainly were annoying. <laughs> Look, uh, I, I am a natural, but uh, you, you heard that that fellow at the end. It seemed like he was particularly annoyed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He was sort of violently oh. annoyed. Violently yeah. annoyed. And it was particularly weird to hear someone telling me to shut up while they were wearing a shirt that said freedom, freedom, freedom on the back. So did does the UAP have their own sort of thugs protecting their leader, do they? E- evidently, yeah. it's, a, it's so, a whole posse of people. So instead of the brown shirts, they've got the yellow shirts. They do. They do yeah. have the yellow shirts. And I, I had about uh, – I, I, so I get to the event in this phone costume mm. and I start saying my lines – about 10 seconds after, because Clive looks at me and he, he sort of mm. palms me off. And then I've got about four or five people all just pushing at me, shoving me out of the way and calling me every homophobic slur that uh, there is under the sun, naturally. Yeah. Um, but yeah, who, who'd have thought that, that Clive couldn't handle the taste of his own horse medicine? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, Lachlan, you were much less annoying than Craig Kelly's text messages, even <laughs> even in that clip. Well, no, I, I, um, I wasn't the only person who, who thought so. So it made a bit of news. Um, uh, I particularly liked Channel 7's coverage uh, of the issue who told the other side of the story. It's hard to tell what's worse, a gate-crashing comedian trying to steal the spotlight or an overzealous supporter. But Clive Palmer scored both. Will someone care for the poor billionaires? <laughs> they're just trying to they're trying to earn an honest wage and rig an election, and all these pesky comedians are stopping them from doing their job. Uh, don't you? Hate well, I, I got to ask Lachlan though. Mm, in this mm. situation, what would Clive and Craig Kelly want you to do? You've annoyed them. Mm. The only what they would do is do it over and over and over again. <laughs> yes. Well, no, no, that's my plan. I emailed Clive. I asked him if he wanted to come on the podcast. Uh, he he said in his own words in an interview right here. Well, you just contact me. I'm available. Okay. I can answer questions. I'm happy to help you. Right? <laughs> 
so let's see if Clive uh, makes mm. true on his own words and comes and, and tells us if he found us as annoying as we find him. Well, if if he does come on the podcast, then you have to get dressed back up in that uh, mobile phone thing mm, and mm. just speak over him. <laughs> Look, I, I'm happy to say that despite the, the violence that was directed towards me, I am safe, uh, but I, I admit... I was pretty scared back there. I've never been closer to catching COVID again. <laughs> <laughs> you were very r- rude interrupting his uh, rally, but compared to the debate, you were downright polite. Mm. <laughs> Our gear is from Rode Microphones. We are part of the ACAST Creator Network. And if you know where Clive Palmer is, uh, yeah. drop us an email, podcast at chaser.com.au, because <laughs> Lachlan really needs to visit him at least six or seven more times during the <laughs> campaign. <laughs>